time of Reagan and before the rise of Seagal, Snipes, and Van Damme, there was an age undreamed of. Unto this land came Arnold the Austrian. He was a barbarian, a demigod, a killer robot from the future, and he was destined to wear the crown of Hollywood upon a troubled brow. It is only his chroniclers, Mike Gillis and Casey Doran, who can tell you of his legend. This is his saga. Podcast de la Vista, baby. We are back, and we're now COVID-free. Oh, survival One. is fantastic. It, it, it really is. I, I have to ask, though, do you guys know what's great about a bedroom? What's that? There's almost always a bed in there. <laughs> so, you know... <laughs> It's true. It's one of life's great truisms. So, uh, what better way to come back? <laughs> I'm sorry. Her face when she takes off. I mean, we're going to talk about it yeah. right now. But it's just like the, dis- the the look on her face when she gets his shirt off. And then the disappointment when he passes out. <laughs> Fucking beautiful. <laughs> Fucking beautiful. So, we, of course, are talking about from the year 1986, Raw Deal, the mafia crime action drama starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, directed, of course, by John Irvin, who directed Dogs of War, Hamburger Hill, Next of Kin, and the BBC adaptation of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy from a story from Italian writers Luciano Vincenzoni and Sergio Donati, who are both frequent collaborators with Sergio Leone and also co-wrote Orca the Killer Whale, Oh yeah, Duck You Sucker, and... To my mind, the greatest movie title of all time, Mr. Hercules Against Karate. (laughs) And from a screenplay by Gary DeVore, who wrote Running Scared and Dogs of War, and Norman Wexler, who co-wrote Saturday Night Fever and Serpico. And uh, joining us, you heard him a little earlier, our good friend, returning guest, and uh, co-host of the late and dearly missed View from the Gutters comic book podcast, Mr. Joe Preddy. Uh, hello. It's good to be here. It's, it's good I, to have you here. I do want to say that on Amazon, the descriptors they have for this movie are action, suspense, passionate, strange. <laughs> passionate. Passionate and strange. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where you would use that tag otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. this is a strange fucking movie. Yes, it is. Oh, passionate? So, I don't know about passionate. And uh, I think of like from here to eternity. Yeah, yeah right? it's like rolling around on the beach with the the promise of new love, but there's also the threat of never seeing each other again. Not I walk in and my wife throws a cake at me. That's not really <laughs> what I think of. What I think. That is strange. Not necessarily passionate. Maybe the passion that they're talking about is the passion for revenge. I, I, could be. It could so, be Joe, revenge by proxy. Yes. <laughs> Joe, I mean, let's just dive right into it. If you had to describe the plot of this movie in like a paragraph or two, what is Raw Deal all about? Raw Deal is about um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is a disgraced FBI, ex-FBI agent living in a small town that his wife hates. (laughs) One day, uh, an old compatriot from the FBI comes to him and says, my son was killed while while on a protection duty. I want you to go undercover as a private citizen <laughs> and get my revenge for me. And then that's what he does. And it's it's uh, like 60, it's an hour, hour, 70 minutes of Arnold 
looking like more of a douchebag than he ever has before <laughs> with slicked back hair, double-breasted suits, which he f- looks fantastic in. Yeah. Uh, not having sex with beautiful women. No. Because he's married to a woman that throws cakes at him. And day drinks. And day drinks. <laughs> yeah. And then bakes. Don't, don't drink and bake. Uh, and then it ends with... Uh, uh, shooting? There's, a lot, of shooting. There's it, a lot of shooting. It ends but... with the shooting and other things, but we'll get to the yeah, other things. Yeah, I, I just, I, this has the, str- this movie has the strangest, again, it is strange, freeze frame <laughs> at the end. <laughs> okay. It has the strangest fucking freeze, like, it Before is. Before we forget about this, this ending with the freeze frame, did the last scene of this movie feel like the end of an episode of Walker, Texas? I know it absolutely did. Anyone else? I'm like, why is no, this This movie here? ends like an Arnold movie with a shootout, and then the next scene is Casablanca, and then the last scene is a very special episode of the Walker, Texas Ranger. That's, yeah. that's absolutely true. And the weird thing is that there's no... This is definitely Arnold trying to play it a little straight like sure he's not doing the normal arnoldisms that you expect and so the tone is weirdly serious well and, yeah. and that's the reason like the lineage of it it's like oh he it's a dino de Laurentiis movie right. and right. you know it in i think it was in that same year dino 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 de, de Laurentiis. what did he do he did some other stuff like he did roman polanski's uh pirates there was a bunch of stuff but action was not one of them and uh this was going to be a Patrick Swayze vehicle, which makes right, a little more right. sense when you, because of how because of how sort of rote it is. But yeah, this does not seem like a script that was punched up for Arnold. No, no, um, because he is just a sore thumb throughout this he entire movie. He is the sorest of thumbs. He really, really is. It just feels every I'm like you get into that first scene where he's meeting. Um, of course, now I'm forgetting his name, but Darren, like the underboss, Darren McGavin. Yeah, 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 and Robert Davi. Oh, oh no, is there, Darren no, McGavin. It's not is, Darren McGavin. That's is, that's Harry. Yeah, yeah. Darren McGavin it's, is his old mentor. Right, right, right. No, um, the the underboss for mm-hmm. the for uh, Petrovita. Uh, Roca. Roca, that's his name. And then Robert Davi is there, and you're like, oh no, that that is a man that belongs in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. Robert Davi in this movie, it's like it's like a warm blanket after a cold day. That's what you want, Robert Davi in this. Robert movie. Robert Davi is one of the few people who feels exactly at home in this movie. Yeah, yeah, and actually. Everybody feels at home in this movie <laughs> except fucking well, Arnold. This movie is a parade of middle-aged men with guns in blazers driving around in boxy sedans. Yes. That is the yes. that is the look of this movie. It's like and of course it's based in Chicago, mm-hmm. so it just has mm-hmm. the generic 80s we're in a we're sort of in a crumbling metropolitan area and there is organized crime. Right. Yeah. yeah. I right. mean this I mean on on paper this is Arnold versus the mafia. But it makes so many strange choices. And the weird thing is that it would have been easier for them to make choices that worked better because those choices have now become cliches. Right. right. That right. Arnold right. is a guy who was thrown out of the FBI because of police brutality. Right. That he basically took down a bad guy that sounds like he was straight out of Sin City. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's yeah. the plot of that yellow bastard. No, right, it right. you're 100% right. You're right. 100% right. And uh, he broke half the bones in his body. So uh, this prosecutor, who was the guy who played Frank on Murphy Brown. Frank Fontana. Yeah. He's actually a great casting choice in this role. Oh, yeah. I really Because he really, he's, he's a got slimy that, son yeah, of a bitch. Yeah, you got, the minute you see him, you're like, eh, and no, that's the I don't t- know what's going on here. That's the touch of 80s copaganda in this movie, which is that 
you have this slimy prosecutor who took him down for a thing that he absolutely should have gone to jail for, but instead just got exiled to what looks like Northern California uh, to be the chief of police, the sheriff in a small town. And it's supposed to be like purgatory, but that's a nice house, I gotta say. <laughs> and it's a, yeah, it's a pretty that's... nice community, it seems like. All right, it... I have to ask you this question, uh, both of you, but certainly Mike, who might have a better memory than me. Is this the only Arnold movie you've watched where there's been a country music song over the opening credits? Yeah, I think so. Because there is a 100% it... slapping country music oh, song yeah, no, when it's... he's chasing somebody in his Jeep, and I'm like, this does not that, belong. to me, felt like one of the derivative pieces of this movie, and that's the piece that says, hey, Smokey and the Bandit, and a lot of these other kind of chase movies in this semi, well, it's not a rural setting, but it's a much more woodsy setting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Has a country music song playing under it. So it felt kind of like it was pulling from all these places. The problem is a lot of the pieces of this movie do not coherently fit together and you can feel them grinding against each other. Well, yeah. In ways that just don't work. Yes. This movie is like that first scene on the bridge where he almost gets pushed off the bridge by the guy towing the boat. That's this whole movie. Mm -hmm. Because it opens up with that, country song and you're like it's gonna be like backwards arnold bringing backwards justice because like i could be into that like i know absolutely and i am always struck by this 80s idea of like cops are not good because they're not cops enough right yeah right. like only one cop can fix thing and that's the cop that's fuck you i'm gonna get this done right my own way yeah that i'm the guy who doesn't give a shit about other human beings and their lives and property and i'm just gonna t it's like the old sort of 1980s thing where and again, we talked about this recently, the screamy police captain has a point because he's angry at you that you drove your cop car through an entire shopping mall to catch one right. drug dealer. Exactly, exactly. You <laughs> threatened but the lives then... of a bunch of people. And that's kind of how Arnold is, is that there is not a single problem in this movie that he thinks, you know what, is there any less subtlety I can approach this, this obstacle with? Can I go more over the top? But the weird thing about it is that there is a very small amount of like public property destruction in this like most of the destruction is just within the mafia but then i guarantee you if that's charles bronson in that role if that's any one of a number of other action stars if that's stallone in that role there's they're sleeping with what's her face yeah that, right it's true that's they're true. gonna they're gonna go and bang and the fact that he's like no i've got to but that was a that was a definite nineteen eighties thing. We saw that in things like Caddyshack, where main characters could cheat on their girlfriend, yes, and they'd yes. have no consequences, and it was just sort of expected that the audience wouldn't get angry with them. That's supposed, that's supposed to signal that after he has murdered dozens of people and basically committed crimes that he should go to jail for, because he didn't cheat on his wife, he's still a good guy. Right. Yeah. Right. That's, he, the, yes. that's the signal. That's absolutely we should just it. Keep into into perspective here that when he goes on his mission when he goes undercover he first fakes his death you don't realize that he's about to fake his death when he does it so he goes to this like oil refinery that you later learn is just in his jurisdiction yes he breaks the lock and then reports that there's been a break-in so right off the bat he's going in there and i'm like what the fuck is he doing so he blows his own car up by releasing all of this like highly flammable fuel under it and firing a flare gun at it not just blowing up his car but blowing up like the half the refinery yes, yes. <laughs> which is the so, environmental crime was insane and that brings me that brings me to the point is that <laughs> this movie is so weird because it's arnold playing it straight for so much of it yeah. whereas and this movie we we kind of chatted a little bit about this this movie takes place in between commando which is to me the definitive 80s action movie mm -hmm. and predator 
which is a movie that kind of defines this like special ops group behind lines dealing with weird shit genre of movie. But in both of those, not Arnold is just bringing a huge performance. You know, everybody in those movies is just going big. And so they feel big. And so when you're like, oh, of course he's going to break into the, the are the military store and of course they've got a fucking missile launcher behind right. the counter and of right. course they've got like all this military armament back there because of course they do. it's like, a heightened reality like, yeah. and of course he's gonna stand there in a speedo looking like a fucking god from on high before he, <laughs> right like and you you watch this and you're like where, where are the jokes? It doesn't Where's go big the enough. Easy, yeah. He's trying to play it so straight. That's the thing. That's the other part of this movie is that you have a guy who, on one hand, is like a human wrecking ball. That he's a guy who has no subtlety. At the beginning of the movie, he's chasing down a motorcycle that is impersonating a police officer. Yeah, yes. there's a, there's a yes. guy who's who's dressed up as a motorcycle cop is pulling people over and then uh, eliciting bribes from them to let them go. And so Arnold is chasing him down. And the way Arnold catches him is the guy makes a run for the woods. Arnold takes the other path, takes this shortcut, pulls off on the road, and then seems to be just kind of waiting for him. And he's taking his gas tank out for some reason. He hears the motorcycle coming. He lights a cigar. And as he comes out, you realize that Arnold had poured this big puddle of gasoline (laughs) in the road, hucks his cigar at the guy. The guy bursts into flames and crashes his motorcycle. (laughs) Right. And that's like, that happens. Yeah. Then he gets the, then he goes home. His wife throws a fully frosted cake at him. (laughs) Right. And that's all like, that scene is a little weird because you're like, they're playing this oddly straight. They're playing it oddly muted, even though it's this big over the top action. And then he blows up his car at the refinery and you're like, oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. And then all of a sudden it's just like him with these very like measured dialogue scenes. There's no jokes. There's no like even the first scene where he goes in and he like fights all the guys in the gambling den. And then he like leaves the guy on the, on the, the rafters. Uh, he yeah, literally the, throws yeah, the guy yes. in the rafters. And you're like, up until that point, you're like, oh, I'm on board. This is going to be great. And then yeah. all of a sudden, the movie just, they like stopped, they cut it, and then they put in this really weird melodrama for the rest of the movie. Yeah, that's the third. There's, there's these parts of the movies. There's the bull in a china shop, crazy maniac cop guy. And then you have this movie that wants to be like Donnie Brasco meets The Departed and these yeah, kind of yeah. shifting alliances and there's multiple sides playing against each other. And then the movie just abandons all of that and turns into a bloodbath at the end. And it doesn't really decide what it is. Um, This is the big question I had throughout the movie. And I think I understand it slightly better having rewatched it last night. But what is the plan here that Arnold (laughs) takes the retirement plan of an older FBI mentor? Right, right. And uses that to infiltrate the mafia to avenge the death of his son. Apparently there's a leak in the FBI and this mafia boss knows everything before the FBI knows it. And they're not able to get anybody into his group. So Arnold is his private citizen now. He's a cop, but he's off the books. Darren McGavin, his mentor, is the only person who knows that he's going in to infiltrate the mafia. So whoever the leak is won't know about Arnold. Arnold goes in and I'm like, 
Now what? What is the plan? Yeah, yeah. Because Arnold doesn't wear a wire. He doesn't seem to be building a case of any kind. He's not taking notes. He barely checks back with his mentor. And I'm not sure what the plan is because if he's looking for the leak, he doesn't seem to be hunting for it or asking questions. Nope, nope. He just seems to be kind of a mafia guy now. He knows immediately where to go and what to do. And the big pro so you realize about halfway through the movie, well, this movie is called Raw Deal. And they're right. like, oh, he got a raw deal. But the movie right. isn't about his fucking raw deal. No. It's about this other thing. And yeah, the plan definitely just seems to be like, you're like, well, I don't. Wait, are you trying to flush out the mole? But are you isn't to- his raw deal is the fact that he resigned because he was forced well, to? Isn't yeah, that his yes, raw deal? But that, there really is nothing else that seems I think he got a pretty ish. sweet deal that he didn't go to fucking prison. <laughs> well, yes. that's the thing. is like, wait a minute. How did he get a raw... Like, if this movie is about he got sold out by somebody else and then, like, his mentor comes to him and been like, I think we can get him, but I can't. So you have to go undercover and then you can be feeding me stuff and I can be using that in a case. But it's not. It just seems like... I, it's never clear to me, is the point to flush out the mole? No, is no, no, the no. point to it's, murder It's everybody? just murder because because Darren so, McGavin is going on, he's being like, fuck justice. Like, right, he's just like, like, from the beginning, he's like, it doesn't matter, it's not on the books. You're just going to get as close as you can to this person and then cap them. But yeah. he got close to him and he just kept being close yeah, to him. <laughs> it's just, it definitely seems as if he's, well, if, if, if I'm just going to gun like, these guys down. It's just, like, just, do do that move. That movie is a very popular movie where it's just like you're okay. You're gonna go, and it's like um, uh, it's called Red Harvest, but the movie they made, Last Man Standing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. he comes in, he's the outsider, he's working these two mobs again, he's fomenting the mob war, mm-hmm. and then he goes in and cleans up afterwards. Yeah, you do your Jimbo that shit. Yeah, like what the fuck is he? What is the end game here yeah. other than just murder? And if murder was all you wanted to do, why not just murder everybody? Because you find out. Like, you could say, well, he wants the money. Yeah. But then he doesn't know. I can't remember. What's her name? Her name begins with an M. Monique. Monique. Uh, It's like, well, he doesn't know Monique at first. Mm -hmm. So maybe he just wants the money for himself. But that seems a little weird. Right. But then you find out about the money in a like not an audio flashback three quarters of the way through the movie. Right. So like, what is the yeah? This point yeah, we is don't super really, weird. We don't really care about the drugs. We don't really even care about getting Luigi Patrovita, this mob boss. That maybe it's not like he's unattainable. Like you have to infiltrate the group because that's the only way to get close to him. But he gets close to him pretty easily. It's not like he has to do that much to earn enough of their trust. It's not that he's trying to flush out the mole because he never asks about the mole to the degree you almost forget about the mole several times in the movie. And of course, the mole is revealed to be the prosecutor who took Arnold down for police brutality because, again, copaganda. Of course. Of course. And also, have you ever seen anybody that was less alive? Luigi. Yeah. I just, I'm putting that out there. I'm just going to put it out there. Have you ever seen anybody that was less a Luigi? Because I He's think more of a Lou than a Luigi. More and they do Lou, refer yeah. to him as Lou at I think Lou points. is fine, but Luigi? Nah. And then the, <laughs> no, 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 no. Was it the Stephen Hill who played like the DA on Law and Order? Is right. Yes, like yes. Separate, like, rival gang guy. He's like, a, he's like a Polish gangster who's like horning in on his turf. And Lemansky. So they, and they have. Lema- yeah. They that that is one of the things that's just the so so pointless in it where which is just like oh it turns out gonna, to be nothing he's gonna oh he's gonna prove himself 
by fucking up this other guy. And so you have all these things where he's got planned, like his plan going to fuck up with his business this way. And just like in the end, they're just like, oh, he's just going to get shot. But then so also, matter. Lemansky and his goons turn out to be the most hapless, worthless <laughs> yes. criminals. Well, and also my whole thing is Arnold goes into the, the gambling den before we see that scene with Lemansky and Petrovita. Yep. So how the fuck did he know what was going on? Like, where are his choices coming from in this movie? (laughs) And I think as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking if this was like uh, Kurt Russell or Sly Stallone or or somebody like that, are you asking yourself are these same questions or are they selling it enough Mm -hmm. so that you're not all caught up in that? Would they be able to do this kind of a little bit more subdued performance where you're like, okay, I'm buying this, that they think this is a good idea. And is the reason we can't buy it is because there's a six foot four Austrian that looks like he was chiseled out of a block of marble. That's just not doing anything and not sleeping with anybody. I mean, the whole joke of kindergarten cop is Arnold being undercover is a ridiculous idea. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And it works in that movie very, very well because it's, Everyone uh, stares mind, at him. Yeah, it's mind for comedy very well. Yeah. Well, and p- part of it is just, as you said, putting having Arnold be in costumes that you just don't haven't seen him before or since. One of them is when he has his sheriff's uniform on, mm-hmm. and you're like, it looks weird. Like, it does he's look played, weird. He's played cops before, but they're usually undercover cops, so to get him sort of in just like the regular uniform... Because he's so massive, you're just like that doesn't make sense. And then when you see him in like a bit when he's trying to pretend to be uh, Joseph P. Brenner, um, what does a P stand for? <laughs> I don't I'm know. Not, I'm not saying it. Pastiche. Uh, when you see him in a double-breasted suit walking, you're like, oh my god, I've never seen Arnold like that before. And it's insane. Yeah, it's insane. I'm kind of surprised he doesn't wear suits more often in movies because he's the only guy in this movie who doesn't wear shoulder pads. Because if Arnold tried to wear shoulder pads in this suit, he'd oh look my, like yeah, he'd he look like insane. Cable. Yeah. And the thing about it is, I think the costuming in this movie is really great. Like Monique's costumes are fan like. Like her dresses are fantastic. I love the scene in the restaurant where he's like, "I'm, I'm man, I just, you're my friend. Oh, <laughs> you're oh. my friend." And she's like, "I'm gonna have a lot. It's gonna take me a long time to figure out which of us is the bigger <laughs> asshole." And she throws the dress at him. I'm like, "That's a, that's a, that's Cur- a, that's a power move." Kirby uh, loves 90 Day Fiance, and in the 90 Day Fiance extended universe, there is uh, these two twin sisters, Darcy and Stacy, and Darcy is very unlucky in love. And she was seeing this guy that lived in Britain named Tom, who was kind of a prick. And Tom came to New York to break up with her. She goes to see him. He breaks up with her. She gets up. She buys his coffee. (laughs) And then she's talking about it. And she says, I decided I was going to stand in my power. And so that's the that's that's (laughs) that's our thing. That's what Kirby is like when we're talking about a friend that needs support. Kirby or I will often say she just needs to stand in her power. I mean, she, and that's what Monique is doing in that moment. Sure. Monique is standing in her power. She, she gets up in the restaurant, takes the dress off, off that he yes. that he bought her, and she's wearing this incredible like negligee underneath. She right. looks absolutely fantastic with a long coat underneath, yeah. and she just buttons up the coat and walks out. And then I love that she picks up the martini and throws it in Robert Dobby's face. <laughs> doesn't even say anything to him. <laughs> just throws it in Max's face, and then she's out. Oh, but I mean, I guess the plot point that we are not uh, that we're not saying here is that Monique 
I guess it was because of gambling debt. Is this yes, why she yes. is, she's agreed to work for uh, Robert Davi, who's Max? Yeah, like Max is his name. He's yeah. worked for Max to be like, you need to find out about this guy. We need to know whether or not he's trustworthy. And so she's like looking through his wallet and stuff. There's the, there was a, I think that's a pretty funny little scene. I think the whole thing of him in her apartment is really good. I think yes, there's a yes. that that all the there's like three big beats, and I think the idea of you figuring out that she's got something going on strange and he's pretending to snore in the other room. I think that is all really good. And then I think that it because they need to have him be like the nice guy and not like not get with her basically throws most of that away. Well, and like now it, that I'm thinking about it. It's basically over. At that point, it's basically over. Arnold doesn't do love scenes. I'm trying to think of a movie in which he has a love scene and I can't think the of it. The closest any. I can think of is near the beginning of Total Recall. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that is the closest. He does not do, and I I wonder how that impact because I'm saying you you have anybody else, and of course I'm totally blanking on anybody else that would have been in this movie in '86 because that's the way my brain works. But if if Sylvester Stallone is in this movie, he's he's getting down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Like uh, if this I is think, Clint Eastwood, he would have had a love yeah, scene. Yes, absolutely. Right. Like any of those guys is is Michael get, Douglas getting down. Yeah, my, right. Uh, yeah, great example. <laughs> but like I think that. That I wonder how much influence Arnold had on that because if he's not going to sleep with her, yeah, there needs to be. She's going to have to be like, what the fuck is going reason. on right, here? Right, because she is smoking hot, right? Mm-hmm. Like she is, and she knows it. She knows what she's got, and she so. even says that to him. It's like I knew you were waiting, and I was thinking you. Right, I, I lied right. to myself and said, "Hey, he must be really into me and doesn't want to ruin it." And she, like <laughs> this movie, legit, she's great in this movie. She does a legitimately great performance, and she sells the shit out of that scene. And he's just like, "I'm sorry, I want to be friends." And that like, friends line is. <laughs> it's just like it. He can't sell it. Maybe he's just not reach that caliber yet maybe he hasn't because he said um allegedly allegedly he said working with john irving made him a better actor that this movie made him a better actor and well, i'm like this was is... it because you saw how not to do it right i get this is the thing where uh there are some emotions in this i mean darren mcgavin probably has the best the, emotional the, yeah the most oh, work yeah, to do yeah. and so he's sitting darren mcgavin is sitting arnold down and being like oh you remember i had a son um oh what's the son up to oh he died doing then and there's the scene where like he kind of breaks down and he starts to sob but instead of cutting back to a, a reaction shot of arnold it fades away and then it goes to the next plan of them him selling this right, idea right. because clearly the reaction shot of arnold would have just killed that moment that they had right and, and that, I, that tells you so much about arnold in this which is like he just is not able to keep up and i think about a similar scene which is the scene in lethal weapon where murtaugh is going to his old army buddy and mm. he's saying they killed my little girl roger like and you see that scene which is a very similar scene and you see how uh um, Danny Glover. Danny Glover. His last name just went right out of my fucking head. Danny Glover is reacting and emoting. And you see this, and you're absolutely right. Like, he just doesn't have the chops at this point no. to be in this movie and to bring to it what it needs. But also the fact that his character is written the way it is. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that he, again, he's the like hunk of meat who throws himself at a problem with maximum violence. Right. And that's not the kind of guy you send into an undercover mafia situation. Absolutely not. These stories, especially when it's undercover cop infiltrating the mafia and I've got to keep my cover. These stories are about moral conflict. 
Yes. These stories are about a guy who has to keep his mouth shut or not act when awful shit happens in front of him because he can't blow his cover because what he's doing is more important or maybe because he's starting to like in something like, um, God is what is it? Keanu Reeves and, uh, Patrick Swayze. Point break. Point yes, break. Yes. You right. have a, a great point example. break moment where you start to empathize with the person you're infiltrating and saying, you know, you have those things where, you know, a plot happens and this is the standard boilerplate version of the mafia story. He gets in there quickly becomes a Patrovita's favorite. Of course, there's somebody like Robert Davi who sees through him, feels threatened by him and hates him and wants to expose him. Right. And that guy's on the outs with the boss. Now, um, there has to come a problem where he gets sent on a mission and he has to do something he doesn't want to do. In this movie, they send him to the, the graveyard to kill somebody that he says is a cop, but until he sees that it's Harry, Arnold doesn't seem like he's not going to go through with this. In, in, no, absolutely. in fact, all of the setup for him to up until this point is, oh, well, what does Arnold have to do? He just like gets to in a play in a playground. He's like, it's so fun. I get to go up here and smash up this casino. I get to drive a truck through a wall. Says, I get to beat these up these assholes in a in an alleyway, and he loves it. He's he just says like, as much. Uh, he says as much to Harry about it. He's like, hey, this uh, Joey P. Brenner's got a pretty great life. He's got lots of money, good wardrobe. He's basically cars. playing GTA in real life. Right. He, absolutely, yes, absolutely. But, but then I look at this, and he doesn't seem until Harry turns around and they meet eye to eye that's the one moment you're like oh shit i can't do this which means he was probably just going to shoot that cop but when you have a character who doesn't seem to give a fuck about anything it's antithetical to a story like this right right and he doesn't seem to have any tension there's and there's never a moment where he gets outed even when robert davi's character figures out that arnold isn't really isn't really joey brenner he never takes it to his boss. There's never that moment where he walks into a room and the boss knows, and now you're fucked. Well, no, the, he does know because in the whole scene with um, uh, with uh, with Frankie Fontana, he's uh, uh, Petra Vida knows that it's him because that's when Max comes in and goes, "We'll pick Brenner to do it." That's them putting the button on him. And I think what the whole that whole I think what that whole two scenes is supposed to be mm-hmm. is. You get this, you're like, okay, we've seen this before. He's going to play it cool and then figure out what to do when he gets there. And when he sees Harry, it's like, oh, the game's up. They know who I am. But it doesn't play like that. No. It plays exactly the way you're saying it, where it's like, oh, yeah, he's like, let's go blow away anybody. I don't care. Let's go. <laughs> the thing is, the pieces are in place for him to get outed, which is that eventually he goes, hey, we're going to bring so-and-so into this. And then they reveal that the prosecutor guy is the leak. That's the moment that Arnold should get outed, that that prosecutor would recognize him. If right. you met Arnold, you would not forget this dude. No, 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 no. So that goes, that's... He would say, I know exactly who that is. I know who Darren McGavin sent into our organization. Right. I know right. Who, who, the, who the rat is. Um, that would have been the moment. But they don't do it. It seems, it, the way the movie feels, because the the question of exposition of who knows what, when, is so confused in the way that everyone acts, it really just feels like Arnold doesn't get outed. It feels like he just abandons the the cover. Right, right, right. And decides, right. you know what? Well, be, I'm just going to kill all these guys. In, in a good, I don't want to say in a good version of this movie, but in a more competent version of this movie, that scene is the halfway point, mm-hmm. and he right. figures out that the guy that he's with has figured him out, and he's got he's to murder him, and then it becomes... 
I only have a limited amount of time before they figure out I did this because he was on to me. Now I've got to figure out how what my end game is. Yeah. And in this, it's just the beginning of like, well, I guess I'm just going to murder everybody now. <laughs> I'm going to go back go back to my hotel room. Pull out of pull, yeah, pull out all of my copious amount of guns. Yeah, yeah. And it's the and same go thing. Fuck shit up. It's the same but thing. I, I fucking love this. It's it's I think is it the Velcro, only I'm going to close up the Velcro. I mean, that's the moment that does feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, right, that's great. Right. That's a great moment. Or he's and then he puts up. on the fucking like pleather jacket with shoulder pads <laughs> yeah. and he looks fucking ridiculous. Like, anybody, a man half his size would have looked super cool in that jacket, but because he is so big, yeah. he just looks like a video game it character. It does look like weird. Although I will say, is this the also, is this the only Arnold movie where they have a Rolling Stones song? Yeah, and that, like, that was, was weird. It's such a crazy choice that, that yeah. you'd pay like $4 million to put it in a movie so now, Arnold's obviously. So the only, that's where their whole sound budget went. Right. It's <laughs> also, there's no other songs in this. It's also a diegetic song because Arnold literally it's, pops it's on the, radio, the tape yeah. into the tape deck yes. of this convertible and just drives around this quarry just shooting people like he's playing one of those uh, video games like Dino Crisis or whatever. <laughs> and just moving him around on rails while he can just shoot guys that are standing on mounds of rocks yes. and then they yes. just fall off. So this I, was this was totally the, the De Laurentiis take of it. We'll oh just no, be yeah. like we like we have this cool location. Let's just have stunt guys fall off of stuff. That is That's very it. much a De Laurentiis That's thing. It. Yes. It's, it serves yes. no other purpose. Don't they set it up in like a like a flash, like a, a, a voice ADR voiceover. That's like, where you find, don't go yeah. to the gravel pit, and you're they, like, you I don't, don't want to get what? invited to the gravel what? pit because what? that's where all the the blah 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 is, and it's, it doesn't matter. He just yeah. ends up there. It doesn't. You, if, it's almost almost as if almost as if they had completely forgotten <laughs> to bring it up in any kind of a naturalistic way. So they're like, they're like, okay, now you're gonna go to the gravel pit, and somebody's like, um, we. We haven't talked about the gravel pit. Yet. <laughs> yeah, uh, we cut that scene out. Shit. Remember, you were watching the dailies, and you were like, "We need to get rid of this. We're already, we're already running long." Uh, so yeah, we they don't we. This is the first time we're seeing the gravel pit, and they're like, "All right, let's get some ADR. Let's get Darren McGavin in here, and he can do some ADR about the gravel pit, and we'll just play that over him getting ready." And I Darren mean, McGavin tells him to use the force, and he yeah, yeah, the right. gravel pit. like. Use the force, Joey Paper. I mean, uh, what's his actual name? Kaminsky. Kamin- so it's Mark the first Kam- time Kaminsky. that I think he's had a name where it's like, okay, you Close. could conceivably be a Kaminsky. Yeah. Uh, but that's the thing that's so weird about this. This was my moment where I felt the most emotionally crushed in the movie, <laughs> is that I had just watched Arnold strap on more guns in the Branch Davidians, and he's, <laughs> he's going to do some serious, like, maniac cop mayhem. Um, he's got like this giant like machine gun. He's got one of those barrels with the holes in it. Where I'm like, oh, here we go. That's the civilian version of the MP, the Heckler and Koch uh, MP5. He's got this other one that looks like some kind of Mac 10. He's got this other one that looks like the Duck Hunt gun, but it fires like. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's got like a revolver, and he's got this like sawed-off shotgun, and I'm like, yeah, I see him just meticulously velcro all of these things into a duffel bag, ready to go. He's loaded them. He's ready to go. No, it's a. Fu- it's it's <laughs> it's not a duffel bag. It is a guy. It's a garment bag. It is. It's a fucking garment bag, and I'm just like. <laughs> so he's he just on, meticulously there's still time there's still time it's some beautiful gun porn <laughs> yes. yeah and yeah. and then he straps on then when he goes to the the quarry he's shooting people with the one machine gun then he gets caught and his car gets crushed and i'm like 
He just crushed all those fucking guns. guns yeah. What were we yeah. watching all that? Why did you tease <laughs> me with that shit? And he's not going to use it. Then in the last scene, he's using the he's using the submachine gun. Then he drops it, uses a bunch of other people's guns, and then picks it up and reloads it. And you're like, why did you drop this fucking <laughs> thing in the first place? That seems tactically unsound. Yeah. And also... Yeah, so I I feel like the first time I watched this, it was weirdly edited because I don't remember it being as gory. And even though this time there was gore, it was not nearly enough for a Dino De Laurentiis no, movie. Like no. there is a scene in Conan in Conan where uh, at the end where they're fighting the army, where he knocks down one of the generals. And my brother used to call it the cup of blood scene because (laughs) he drops and this enormous spout of blood just comes up and (laughs) splashes down. Oh, he squishes. And I'm like... And it's like a thick ragu blood. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's it's like the real shit, right? And I'm like, in this, I'm like, man, you want your squib work to be just so big and overwhelming and it's just kind of like see that's the thing with the Dino De Laurentiis name when you see it in the opening credits I always get a little bit excited because I'm yeah. like there's going to be some fun pulpy trash in this movie yeah you're you're like okay Dino De Laurentiis there's going to be titties there's mm-hmm. going to be blood there's going to be violence and in this there's like no, no at least one bizarre novelty death yes exactly and in this there's just there is one bizarre novelty death. That's the guy who goes in like the chipper at the thing. Oh God! So, the the, the ob- doll that yes, goes into the, the, the obvious chipper. dummy. The obvious dummy going down into, like, into the, little the rock jaws. crusher. Yes. Oh my God! I love that cut to scene. Uh, and then you're like, "What was the purpose of that?" Yeah, there's just there's only a couple. A lot. There's a lot of guys falling down. Oh, with blood yep, under yep. their hands, but. Aside from that and the way that the witness is killed at the beginning of the movie where he's executed in front of a mirror, and I just, it's actually one of the best shots in the that movie. Is, yeah, witness this. Witness, witness this. this is good. He places him in the mirror. So we're looking at the back of this guy who's about to get murdered on his knees, and oh, they shoot him through the back of the head, and he's looking at a mirror, so we see his face too. Right. And the bullet hole hits the mirror right on his eye, and yes. it's just really well framed. Also, never see those hitmen again. I know. Yeah, they again. Just, yeah. Not even they go. Not even Wait. that dude who kind of looks like Abe Vigoda. <laughs> no closed loop there. There's no closed loop there. They're just out there. But this is what I'm saying. This movie is a per, except with the exception of like Arnold and Darren McGavin, Robert Davi, and the guy who plays Luigi. Um, it's just faceless guys and coats. Even yes, even yes. the guy who plays Luigi, like Sam Wanamaker, I think is yeah, yes. it is Sam Wanamaker. He yeah. is not bad. The guy who plays Roca is not bad, no, but they're not great either. Everybody is. I honestly think everybody in this movie is pulling their weight. Mm-hmm. I think even Arnold is giving it the old college try. I just feel like he is so out of place, and the fact that he is trying to act mm-hmm. as if this is a real situation that hurts the movie. It begs. It asks too many questions. It's not like. It's what I said before, right? In Commando, you're totally willing to buy that this guy's going to swing through the Galleria. Right, right. Because we're not asking those questions. Of course, he's like the best special forces dude of all time. We don't care about that. This Because movie... he's acting so... Everybody is being yeah. like at 11. But this wants him at a seven or eight. And yeah, they're, like, they're trying to ground him and he can't be grounded. He can't. No, yeah. no, no. He just doesn't have the chops. And I think Arnold, I think what it is, is that, and we've talked about this a little bit, the main difference to me between Arnold and The Rock is that Arnold was willing to do put himself out there and explore different scenarios and try and take different roles, whereas The Rock, especially now, 
is all about protecting his brand. Yeah, she's but, really precious with yeah, it. Yeah, which so. is which is fine. That is what it is. But Arnold, what makes Arnold so compelling on screen is that he has a tremendous amount of charisma and charm, and he brings every bit of that into the, his best roles. And in this, they want him to tone it down, and he's toning it down to the point where he's doesn't he doesn't have anything to replace that. You lose the thing that makes you want to watch an Arnold yes, movie. Yes, yeah. exactly, because it's not that he is I, I don't I think Arnold Schwarzenegger is a good actor I don't know that he's a great actor but I think he is good and the reason he is good and entertaining is because he brings all that charming charisma into his roles and when you tell him tone that down yeah we want you to same, be more real it's the same problem with end of days yeah, right yeah, it's like yeah. they're they like play this toned down character and it's like well that's not that's Kurt Russell right that's somebody that has some patho pathos and I don't. I think Arnold has definitely gotten better about that as he's gotten older, mm-hmm. and I think he's willing to stretch himself, and I appreciate that about him. But in this, it's just not working. I th- he just doesn't have it. Yeah. I really think this this movie was incredibly cheaply made, and I think it was rushed. And it's it is apparent in every you feel way. Right. every scene. But I think that. If they weren't like this movie had a budget of eight million dollars, even even based on the 1980s, that's really cheap. That is incredibly cheap. Yeah. And I think that if you had shelled out a little bit more money, I think that Dino De Laurentiis had Arnold under contract, so he probably got Arnold cheaper than anyone post Terminator would have been able to get Arnold. And I think he did. Arnold did this movie so he could get out of his contract. Yeah. He could fulfill his last movie for Dino De Laurentiis. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but I really think if this movie had had maybe ten to fifteen million dollars, and you could have cast better. Sam Watermaker is fine, but imagine how much better that role would be. Like a Ronnie Cox or something. Ronnie Cox is one of the list. What if he was Ronnie Cox? What if he was Jack Palance? Yeah, yeah. What if he was James well, Caan? Well, before. I think Jack, Jack, I think either of those would be great. All played great bad guys in other movies. I think Ronnie Cox, you're three years before Robocop, Robocop here, yeah. which is where he does his big yeah. heel turn. James Caan, I was kind of in and out at that point, which is, and I, I don't know, this does seem like the kind of movie that James Caan would be. James Caan has always had a very contentious relationship with acting. It was, in, I was in about movies. this time that I think he was doing Alien Nation, so he probably could have been. Yeah, yeah. that's possible. Yeah. But there's like an under Thief is. When is 79? It's like, is Thief like 79? Half a decade before. But I look so, at James Caan, and I mean, it's not just that he was Sonny Corleone, but I think that there's always this threat of violence underneath yes, a James Caan performance. Agree. And I think that it would have made the the bad guy in this movie scarier. The same thing with Ronnie Cox. It's just Ronnie Cox plays asshole really well. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, the thing is, yeah. this bad guy should be a bit more heightened because he literally is like, those motherfuckers stole my drugs that I rightfully bought. Yes. I'm going to rob them back oh, from right. the cops. Right. We've just ignored the fact that there's this entire there's this entire C plot that Arnold has nothing to do with that is basically a heist that it, I get I did um did they steal it from the original Ocean's Eleven or do you think that Steven Soderbergh watched this movie and decided to have the heist in their movie basically be the same thing yeah like, <laughs> like oh we're gonna we're gonna bring in the bomb squad and then we're gonna get our drugs and money out by pretending to be the SWAT team right. bomb squad so you rob whatever. a police station from the, like the evidence lockup right. and you get all your stuff back and. Arnold helps them by helping them bomb a police station. Right, right. But I mean it's it's so fucking weird when I look at this movie because I 
I go, how much more fun would a plot like that, how much more believable would this insane plan be of stealing this stuff back be if it was a more over-the-top, angrier mob boss? Yes, and I agree. I think that's the problem. Sam Wanamaker is playing it too on the level. Too straight. Yes. and Michael Ironside as a mob boss. He also doesn't do anything cruel. I mean, imagine why... uh, Even Joe Pantoliano would have been... Like like Kurt, Kurt Kurtwood Smith and Robocop you believe his cruelty. Like yes, you're shocked yes. by how cruelty about him laughing as Murphy is like getting blown apart. Like at no point in time, at no point in time, do you think that any of these Kim Roca or Max, any of these guys is really all that, that cruel. Well, see now like, I'm just imagining this movie as directed by Paul Verhoeven and it is a, a thousand percent better. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, Robert Davi is the only guy that really steps up to be as awful yes, as the script yes, needs him to I, be. You're absolutely. And Davi is the guy you want in that role, but you could put somebody like, uh, you could probably merge the Robert could, Davi character with his number two with Roca. Yeah. But yeah. I think you could pay, like, I think if you had somebody like Joe Pantaleano and if you had Joey pants in, in mm-hmm. that Roca or rock Roca role, mm-hmm. and you had somebody that was willing to go. I mean, Jack Pounce is great as the bad guy in Tango and Cash. Right. He is so evil. He's great as the what's his face in Batman eighty nine. Mm-hmm. I I do agree with you that so many of the performances here are so just they're at a seven. They're so muted. Yeah, like you're trying to go for something. Like it's much more Godfather, but it has none of the it has none of the weight, gravitas, the gravitas or seriousness, yeah. or absolutely. Depth. And well, it's like you can't do that. That just, that just plays against what Arnold's strengths are. Yeah, yeah but absolutely. Again, the Godfather absolutely. is this ritually, deliberately paced movie that has all of these layers to it. Yes, this movie doesn't have layers, but it's trying to act like it does. It does. And yes. when you do that, and you don't have a performance that can give it layers, like you know. Or you have a performance that, like, like Christopher Walken. Make Christopher Walken the mob boss in this oh, movie. Yeah. Right. And look at him in King of New York. He's and great in that. You can take an underwritten character and give them to somebody who always brings this very specific or bizarre choices to it, and it gets depth. I think that, and this is a weird thing to say because I very rarely say it, but I think this movie needs 15 minutes at the beginning where we see uh, Kaminsky... In the FBI, we see the brutality there. Mm-hmm. I think this movie just needs more. I think you 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 can't have Arnold. They put him in there because of the box office draw. I'm sure because Commando was popular, but like he just asks. It raises too many questions. You replace him with somebody who can play a little smaller, and then maybe you pump up the energy on a few of those other guys a little bit more. You have the scene where you do, because I do agree, you never see him. You see him talking a lot of shit, but uh, if uh, Lemansky or whatever, if there's a scene where they catch him and then they has his legs broke or something, you know, you need right. a little bit more of Casino in there where right. you're getting that kind of like, these guys aren't playing handball. These guys are <laughs> mafia bosses, and if you fuck with them, they will rip off pieces of your body bit by bit until you beg them for death. But that's because that's what the movie wants. But then the movie is giving you, I'm really mad. I'm mad. We got to get our drugs back. Let's go. Come on. I'm going to make a phone call. I'm going to pretend to. I am the (laughs) boss of the Chicago Mafia, but I'm going to make a call pretending like I'm changing somebody's water heater. (laughs) What the fuck is that? That's not what the. That's what you do have underlings that do that shit. 
So I guess that, that brings us to the two big questions that we have about this movie. I have to say, wait, wait. I have to say something. Yeah, because we have to talk about that last scene. There, the last, the the ending of the movie is important. I think that the for one being, I think that the last, the final shootout in the nightclub is like this is quintessential De Laurentiis, where you could have basically sixty percent of your trailer filmed. Like yeah. the trailer is just like shooting at the gravel pit. Shooting at the bar and then right. intercut it with some with some words or whatever, and it's a fine Arnold shootout. It's fine. It's, it's fine. Not quite it's violent not. Enough, it's a little yes. bit rote, but yeah. I do kind of enjoy the fact that it takes place at sort of this bar lounge area of of Patravita's hideout, and it feels like every single person, every character in this scene is going out of their way to shoot every wine bottle, yeah. every wine glass, <laughs> every mirror, every lighting fixture, every piece of window or glass fixture in this small enclosed area. Right. To the point that when, welcome back to the show, by the way, Sven only Thorson. Yes. yes. When he kills Sven, Sven literally, as he's dying, his yeah. hands come out and smashes down this thing of wine glasses yeah. and breaks them all as yeah. he dies. <laughs> I think that uh, where he kills uh, Roca is great. That's like appropriately violent. Right. When he gets he gets Petrovita in the back with a shoddy. Here's the thing. Let's just go with this again. The hero of this movie shoots an elderly fleeing man in, in the, the back, back with a shotgun. <laughs> it's great, and I, I love when he kills the the prosecutor too. Where he's just like, you can resign or you can be prosecuted, and then he gets up and he's just like. He goes to try to shoot him, and Arnold spins around and kills him first. Right, which is great. And then we have the Casablanca scene where it's like, if you don't get on that plane with a quarter of a million dollars, you'll regret it. Maybe not to... Wait, hold on. That's not the right movie. Shit. Can we take it from the top again? All right, cool. He even meets up with a cop afterwards. He only yes, he meets does. up with a cop who's like, you're great. You're amazing. Can, can, can Please be on the... Please join the FBI again. Yeah. Because that's incredible. Like, apparently we don't need any of the shit we've been doing we can just murder like, people yeah, no, one, no one is at all concerned with the fact that he just committed probably like five or six dozen homicides oh yeah absolutely absolutely no this one looks cares. like the beginning of a beautiful, beautiful scandal yeah, right yes. exactly. Exactly. we're gonna cover it up we're just gonna uh, <laughs> it's not even it's not even a question that this is gonna be covered up oh absolutely absolutely <laughs> and then you're like well that's the end right no 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 <laughs> no 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 because then we've got Darren McGavin in a wheelchair, he's got trying to learn how to walk. He doesn't. What does he say? I have no interest in being an accomplished cripple. Uh, and then <laughs> and here comes Kaminsky. He's like, "You gotta walk, man. You gotta walk." Would you? What would you? What would you do for Blair? Yeah, your son, fucking <laughs> Harry's son. And then the movie ends with a freeze frame of them embracing after Darren McGavin has walked him. And I'm, I'm literally like. What the fuck is this doing in this movie? Like, what it's is like, going? Like, you're I want my your son, son now. It's they, okay. They do all this like exposition wrapping up. He's like, got back together with my wife. We're, we're going pregnant, to have a baby. Gonna... You're going to be the Godfather. It reminded me of the end of Wet Hot American Summer, where it's like, <laughs> oh, I won the blah 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 yes. prize, and she's like, oh, baby, what a dream. <laughs> and like, it just—it's all happened in like the last two hours. How, how much can we put this into like three sentences? Right, well, just exactly, three yes. sentences, and that's the end of the movie. Listen, Arnold say it all. Harry, I committed 27 <laughs> homicides, and now everything is great. I got my job back. I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to raise the baby on the story of how I murdered half of Chicago's underworld. It's great. Now walk. Walk to me, Harry. 
Yeah, you got to be the Godfather. Especially You're going to be the Godfather. You need to walk, especially because my wife is a barely functional alcoholic. <laughs> Come over. The wife will throw a cake at you. It'll be great. It'll be fantastic. We didn't even say what it said on that cake. <laughs> Shit. 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 This is what our life is now. Is cows? You know what cows' biggest contribution is? Oh yes, it's shit. Yes. I'm just gonna say, if we have another Captain Picard day, my promise to you and to listeners you, to come, oh. I will commission a cake that says shit on. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna hold you to that. I will. I can't promise I'm gonna throw it against the wall. So. You make someone clean that up. If we do I, that. We no, do that. but um, At, uh, I've got one one more thing that uh, this is as part of the production history. But I'm grateful for this movie. I'm grateful for every Arnold movie, really, yes, even the yes. ones that are just like not not that fantastic um because of that whole thing with dino de laurentis and him this movie was like a failure it was basically like the last string of that iteration of de laurentis company that went bankrupt on the same year yeah that um dino wanted to like skimp on this movie so he could put more money into doing total recall and because of the failure of this movie and bankruptcy he had to sell the rights to carol co yeah and because carol co got it then it became a paul verhoeven movie and arnold was in it later can you imagine how much worse a Dino De Laurentiis Total Recall would have been well, than a Carol Co. Paul Verhoeven movie? I it's so amazing to me how many near misses there have been. Uh, the the near miss I always think about is when they were casting Casablanca, a movie that everybody associated with thought was going to be a huge stinker. Uh, the one of the first names floated was Ronald Reagan and Ann Sheridan, <laughs> which and it's like there is no bigger irony than than even considering casting Ronald Reagan as as uh, Rick. as Rick Blaine because it's just like it is counter to everything Rick stands for. Based on what we know about Ronald Reagan as a president of the Screen Actors Guild, he um, absolutely would have handed over that. Uh, no, no, he was a Nazi. man with zero integrity. He had zero fucking like he just was just such a shitbag of a person. Uh, Humphrey Bogart is just playing himself in that movie because Humphrey Bogart was a stand-up dude. Uh, but I mean, when you think about, they filmed almost all of Back to the Future with Eric Stoltz in the main right. role, and they had to re. Right. I mean, there's been so many things. Star Wars with Walter Matthau is Obi Wan. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, look at hey, look at this movie. Lose this, the Force, Luke. This movie is the bad version in a lot it, of it, ways it of what is. it could have yeah. been. Yeah. So I guess that gets us to the big two questions. Ah, yes. Question the first: Is Raw Deal a good movie? Oh God, no, no, no. It's not a good movie. It's, it's, I think it is a masterclass. It is the exception that is like, this is not a good movie. It is an entertaining movie because it's so fucking whacked out and strange. And all, so many of the scenes where Arnold is trying to play a sincere come across as hilarious unintentionally. And I think it does the kind of thing that like, the room popularized it where it's like this was a sincere effort by a filmmaker to make a movie that was moving and about a subject that they were passionate about that everybody was like, this is fucking dumb. And then he was like, oh, yeah, it's my, it's my point the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where'd you end on the joke? I wasn't on the joke totally the whole time. And I think that because of that phenomenon, you don't get those genuinely like poorly made right. movies that were in all uh, honesty meant to be sincere that are just crazy and hilarious so it's not a good movie it is a highly entertaining uh, it's not a good movie it was certainly one of my arnold blind spots i mean of all the times that i could have that i could have went to the store and rented it and instead i went and i rented you know running man again to watch which to watch is it again. the correct choice um it even shows you 
the confidence in this movie, if you look at the poster, and I'm sure you guys have seen the poster a thousand times, it's a picture of, of Arnold and Wife Beater with a machine gun, and it says... Schwarzenegger, 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 Schwarzenegger. So yeah. the only thing that this movie has is that it has Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. There is nothing else about it that's special. There is nothing else about it that is notable for his career or for a movie. All they had was Schwarzenegger, and that was it. Well, they, was they knew what, what they had. What they, I mean, but the, what they yeah. ended up with, that you, you, you if, with a good Arnold movie, is you have Arnold, and then you have a few other things that are good. I mean, is the, I, who's the next biggest name is this? Is it Davi or is it McAvin? Yeah, Darren McGavin, the Night right, Stalker. Right. Yeah. So then, I mean, but you don't, you don't. He's not going to sell anything. No, sell no, any no. Tickets. But I'm the, 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 this movie just it it will exist because Arnold is in it because most people probably haven't even heard of it, mm-hmm. and that's the only reason why people might be you know seeing it on streaming. Yes, but yes, because Commando not, was mind blowing, and so you're like, oh, Commando is great. I'm going to go, st-, uh, and then you're like, wait, what? What's this? Why isn't he carrying a tree in this movie? <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> I don't hate this movie. Oh, I don't know. Um, if it came on cable and it was in the middle of it, I probably wouldn't change a channel and I continue watching it. This, to me, also was an Arnold blind spot. The first time I saw this movie was prepping for this episode. And it was the last 1980s Arnold movie that I had never seen. So, in a way, I kind of had high hopes. It's like a look into another universe and another Arnold movie from the prime of his career. And maybe that built the hopes up, but it's not a very good movie. Um, it's, I don't know, it's tonally at war with itself. It doesn't know what it's trying to be. It's trying to be contradictory things. Each of those things undermines a different thing. It's derivative and it goes low and gritty when it should really go broad. It goes broad when it should go gritty. Yeah. It it doesn't know what it's trying to be. And then it just kind of gives up on the plot and just has Arnold murder everybody at the end. And I'm fine with that because I was in the mood to just go, fuck it. Um, whatever, just have him kill these guys already. This should really, I mean, it's a maniac cop versus the mafia movie and it should really starring Arnold Schwarzenegger produced by Dino De Laurentiis. If I explain you that recipe and say, these are the things in this movie you're going to imagine a better movie than this. If you this, describe that movie to somebody in the way you just did and then had them watch it, they may not be your friend anymore the, after they were done. The, to me, when I, I had this revelation when I was watching it, for the, I think it's the third. I also had just seen it like four months ago. It mm-hmm. was the first time I'd seen it. This is basically like a Punisher movie. Yes. But... There's not it's not sadistic enough. The bad guys aren't bad enough, and it's not the, absurd enough. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's this could have been an Arnold Schwarzenegger Punisher, Punisher movie had they just leaned into the fact that it was going to be gleefully ultra violent. Yes, you know? yes, it's a movie that wants you to take it a lot more seriously than it warrants, and that's that is entirely to its detriment. So I guess that leaves us with question the second. Is Raw Deal a good Arnold movie? No. I don't think it is because he's not doing what he's good at. He's not, and that's not his fault. I don't blame him for the failure of this movie. But the, he, they are not allowing him to bring to the role what he traditionally brings. They're purposely having him tone it down. They're purposely having him play it way too straight. If you want Arnold Schwarzenegger for your action drama in 86... You want I'll be back. You want him dropping Bon Mots everywhere. This is just him playing it straight. He was totally wrong for this role. And I don't know that it's a better... I think it might be a worse movie even without him. 
because I don't know that somebody actually bringing yeah. gravitas to that because it's still too muted and you're right like it needs to be bigger on every they need to change turn those dials up a lot more but i don't think it is a good arnold movie because it doesn't have any of the good shit that arnold movies have this is the always the hardest question for me to answer mike because in most arnold movies you can pick out something that if you were going to do it like a youtube compilation of like just cool shots or takes there's enough with like i could see you could cut about three different shots like from the gravel pit or from the nightclub or something like that and you'd be like oh that's cool that's arnold that makes that that looks like something that arnold would do like there's the shot where he turns he's they're shooting up in the nightclub and someone comes through a door behind him and then he turns whips whips around and then shoots him and i was like that moment is very arnold yes that moment is so arnold but that's just a moment in a scene that kind of is okay in a movie that is not that great and i have to say that even though this he's like an action movie which you want arnold to be in it just doesn't feel very much like an action like yeah. an arnold movie it really it really doesn't and it's i mean i think this movie has the opposite problem that batman and robin has where in batman and robin he's going too big because that's what joel schumacher wants in this he's just not bringing anything he's just so muted and none of what makes him a whether or not you want to say that Arnold Schwarzenegger is a good or great actor, what he most definitely is is a movie star. He yeah. is a fucking movie star. And in this, he's not bringing any of that movie star quality. Yeah, I, I said the same thing. I said not really. It's, it took me a long time to figure out why Arnold feels like such a poor fit in this movie. I think a lot of it is that they don't... Aside from a marketing standpoint, with that poster you mentioned, when they put his name all over it, I think they understand that he's a draw, but I don't think they understand what makes Arnold special or how to like maximize utilization of Arnold. Yes, yeah. They don't know how to use him in a way. They don't let Arnold be Arnold. And like a lot of the quick, fast talk, smart aleck, rat-a-tat dialogue they try to give him is just not his rhythm. Yeah, yeah. this exists somewhere in between... The Terminator, where he's playing the soulless killing machine, mm-hmm. and Commando, where he's playing a soulful killing machine. <laughs> but like, I, I think, think that means he can dance. He yes. can, no, absolutely. But like, I think that they're, I think they they saw the Terminator and they're like, oh, he can do this. But the difference is, the Terminator is a just a much better film. There's a lot more lifting that up, and he works in that because he feels like an unstoppable killing machine. Yeah. And, and in this, he's just like, you're, I'm not really buying, like if, if that character walked into my office, uh, I would, it wouldn't be Robert Davi saying, oh, this guy's full of shit. I'd be like, what are you, what are you doing, dude? I don't buy this for a second. Get the fuck out of my office. Yeah. You're not a gangster. This is not how people talk. This is not how people act. It's it's this weird kind of like tough guy quasi noir thing they're trying to get him to do. And it just doesn't either fit his accent or fit his his place as an actor at this point in his career. Absolutely. But it also doesn't fit the personality and screen persona of what he's good at. That yeah. Arnold is not a guy who does Aaron Sorkin dialogue. No, no. God, Arnold's no. Is this going to be a weird comparison? Arnold is more like James Bond. That James Bond isn't quick back and forth rat-a-tat with people. James Bond has the same thing Arnold had, which is this kind of casual, leisurely, 
uh, catchphrases are more of private amusements for my own benefit. Yes, yes. Like when you look at Arnold in Total Recall, when uh, the guy who plays Hank Schrader shows up and he says, what are you doing showing your face around here, Hauser? Arnold just goes, look who's talking. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you do Arnold. Well, look at True Lies. That's right. literally him just being James Bond. And that movie is successful because he brings that energy to it. Yeah. He can bring that like big, charismatic, over-the-top, just like force of nature performance to it. And that's why that movie worked. Yeah. That he's just a guy who's unafraid and is kind of casual about things. Um, it hit me what it was that made this movie a poor fit. Raw deal is a Steven Seagal movie. Oh, yeah, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, I, I can't argue with that. Oh, it's I a, don't. the tough guy dialogue. It feels like Seagal with that kind of like emotionally detached whisper, tough guy, smart aleck thing. Yeah. Um, it's got set pieces, whether him beating the shit out of people in that bar or even the thing at the dress shop. Um, where the bad guys show up to kick the shit out of him and he beats them up in front of his lady. That's a Seagal movement. Wait a minute. What about Raw Deal starring Michael Dudikoff? <laughs> I'd say he better fit. Sure, probably a like, better fit. Because he's so like, he's not bringing anything. Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. There's At like the, people that you could put in this role that would Charles bring Charles Bronson is yeah. a better yeah. fit Bronson for this movie. Right. Because Bronson is a growl in human form. Yeah. You know, yeah. like he's just... He could say those like one or two word quips where he's just like, nah, whatever. And yeah. you're like, oh, I'm buying this. Yeah. And but I look at this movie and I say, what is the big thing this movie lacks? And we've talked about this a little bit, but it's catchphrases. Yes. Yeah. Arnold doesn't have catchphrases. Even when there's an opening for a catchphrase, he sets a guy on a motorcycle on fire and makes him crash a motorcycle and he says nothing. Yeah. Yep. That is fucking disgraceful. That is it dereliction is. of Arnold movie <laughs> duty. One thousand percent. I mean, he pours the fucking uh, the candy on uh, on yeah. Petrovita at the end and he doesn't say I'm like. A man falls into a rock crusher in front of Arnold. He says nothing. He says nothing. (laughs) That and that, those silences are so fucking loud in this movie. How dare you, movie? There is nothing in this movie to hold on to. Yeah. There is nothing in this movie to hold on to. There is nothing in this movie to, it's just, you watch it and you're like, well, that's a thing I did. And except for some moments that are unironically like hilarious because of how badly they missed the mark i mean that last scene kirby was playing on her switch for most of this and she was like what is happening here and to, we got to the freeze frame and she's like did they do it they did it yeah like who fucking know why is this in there this is not a fucking this is not that not movie. This is not movie. fucking Brian's song. It's not fucking <laughs> this is not a male tearjerker movie. Who gives a fuck about this? Why is this even here? And it's like, well, because this movie has no idea what it is. Yeah. This movie was just, I got I want to tell this story and I want Arnold to be in it because he's got a huge box office draw. Let's just make it. And at the end of the day, most of his other movies, you can hold on to him, if nothing else. And yeah. in this, you can't even hold on to him. I mean, he's, don't he's forget the... that this was uh, the brainchild of two Italian screenwriters who are used to making the kind of weird, over-the-top, batshit stuff that is the stuff of 70s and weird. 80s Italian movies that we like, and all filtered through the minds of like three other screenwriters. So yeah. it just makes sense that it's like it starts here and through the purpose for the through the uh through like translation and like massaging and all that stuff, it just ends up being incomprehensible. Yes, I what absolutely are, what are those Hong Kong filmmakers that edit a bunch of movies that don't fit together into one movie? 
Oh, yeah, Warb was talking about this. I don't remember. I don't know, but I forget what it is, but these guys make movies, so these subplots for characters never intersect or meet. (laughs) This feels a lot like something like that. It feels like they had a bunch of screenplays lying around with a couple scenes that were kind of finished, and they said, okay, well, we'll just make this all one movie. Small Town Sheriff Arnold, then you also have this mafia story. This could have been a John McClane story. This could have been a Die Hard story. I mean, that's that's the whole thing with, uh, that's why all these movies that start off life as not die hard become um, die hard right. is because you can put John McClane in those areas right you can put him in those movies because he feels like he belongs there and he's the guy who steers the tone of the but movie this, yeah. this movie if this movie gave you a little bit less and was a, tried to be a little less plot heavy and just kicked up the action yeah it would be more of an Arnold movie. Let yeah. Arnold but, be Arnold. But the fact that it's trying to be, I really think what kills this movie is it's trying to be like a legitimate action drama, but you got nothing there. And I had yeah. this problem with, I think we talked about this a little bit, The Princess on Hulu, yep. where that movie needed to really embrace the ridiculousness of that premise because the dramatic scenes fall flat because you don't have anybody that has that that energy they don't have the gravitas. And they that's not what you're in. there for. Exactly. A- in the end, you're, you're, you're only there for like, how is this going to be some person d- dispatching foes? Yeah, That's absolutely. what I want to see. Absolutely. I want to watch a princess fight her way down all these levels in the castle. Right. Get, crank up the humor, crank up the action, and just don't worry about drama. Because you're not trying to make an Oscar film here. You're not trying to make a well-respected. You're trying to make something that's going to entertain people. And the minute you start asking actors to do more with the, than what they can do, is a it's a recipe for disaster. So I guess yes. that's that's our discussion on Raw Deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yes. guess. I mean, I do think... Watch this movie with your friend. You got people over, you're doing some drinking. Throw this movie on in the background. It's worth a laugh or two. YouTube clip. This yeah. is the YouTube clip movie. You can watch the the sand, sand pitch scene, and I think you get you get the whole thing. Yeah, That's yeah. All you- I mean, I think if, if you're like me and you like to put on bad movies and talk shit about them with your friends, this is a great candidate, but just skip it, man. Why watch this when you can watch Predator yeah. or yeah. Commando? Yeah. So, or Terminator. Or yes. Terminator 2. Or you can list 20 other movies. Or yes. Red Heat. Or fucking, this, yeah. Like, this is down in like the lower third, I think. Yeah. This is definitely yeah. towards the bottom. Yes. Yeah. I, I, it's not his worst movie. And again, I don't think it's necessarily him. I think he's bringing his A game. It's just that he doesn't he doesn't have it. He's got nothing to work with. Yeah. So Mr. Joe Preddy from the late and dearly missed View from the Gutters comic book podcast, Thank you so much for joining us for this. I'm so happy to be. I'm always pleased to be on the show. Uh, I've actually been, I'll uh, I'll float this. I've been, I'm trying to put together a podcast. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what form it'll take. I know what I want to talk about, which are things I love, like music and movies. But finding a form for that is tricky. But I do have a couple people nailed down to kind of be co-hosts. And uh, I'm excited about it. But right now, it's still in the planning stages. Well, so. when you know, let us know. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I fully expect to have both of you on at some point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, But yeah, thank you for having me. It's always a ball. Thank you, Joe. And a very special thank you to our episode sponsors. Big thank you to Margaret King, Tim Batson, Dan Neidecker, Zuri Russell, Steel Wolf, Sterling Taylor, Tom the Belgian, Wim the Belgian, Misa the Barbarian, Jem Newman, 
Carol and Dave Brulette, Calzone, Kalen, Matt Weber, and Hans Twight. And if you want to become an episode sponsor, please do check us out. Go to patreon.com slash radio versus the Martians, or click the big red button on our website, podcastalavistababy.com. Otherwise, we will catch you guys next month. Podcast La Vista Baby is a production of Radio vs. the Martians and is hosted by Mike Gillis and Casey Doran. This podcast is recorded in beautiful Val Verde in Seattle, Washington. Our chief engineer is Casey Doran and our editor is Mike Gillis. Our original theme music was written and performed by James Wetzel with opening narration by Dan Lombardo. Special thanks to Sam Mulvey, Rob Kelly, James Wetzel, Paul Rue, Tobias Panshin, Scott Kramer, Kyle Hepworth, and Dan Lombardo. Please take the time to rate and review our show on iTunes and Stitcher and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please consider becoming one of our Patreon subscribers. Even just a dollar a month gives you access to exclusive episodes. And finally, you can find us online at podcastalavistababy.com and radioversusthemartians.com. Any trouble? Oh, nothing special. All this alleys probably have rats. You got some ID? Sure. So those three guys leave the hotel after you. Anything in particular or uh, just a mug? They had trouble telling me what they wanted. Yeah, I'll bet. Joseph P. Brenner. What's a P stand for? Pussy. See you around.